0: shoe in the door for sure in your opinion what is the what's the most effective way again been in business for over you know 30 years i mean what's the most effective way today to prospect in your opinion
1: so the dming on instagram and facebook has the most craziest high level high response rate i've ever seen Mm -hmm. in 36 years you know the fact that i can DM 20 barbers and five will respond to me. Three will say, no, thank you. And two will say, where's the property? Two out of 20, I mean, it's unheard of. Um, But I still think canvassing is crucial because when you go in the store, you see things you you couldn't get on the phone and you can't do in the DM. You see that they're, you see that they're, Filled to the brim with merchandise. This person mm-hmm. has to expand, right? Or they have no merchandise. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't want them, right? Or you see that they've got stained ceiling tiles. That means that you know they they have roof leaks all the time. Or you see, you know, some to-go restaurant that has four mm-hmm. handicap spots in front of their space. You know, there's so much you can see when you actually yeah. go canvassing.
0: welcome to the CRE project podcast where investors developers brokers and real estate entrepreneurs join together to grow build and execute on experience and strategies within the commercial real estate industry we sit down with the top pros and leaders within the commercial real estate field and gain knowledge and insight from their success we're glad you're here and look forward to connecting with you You can find The CRE Project on all major podcast platforms, along with YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey listeners, welcome to today's show. Uh, Glad you're here with me today. We are welcoming back the one, the only Beth Azor, um, aka the canvassing queen out of South Florida. Um... And we talk a lot about uh, the market and prospecting. Uh, obviously, two very, very important topics within the commercial real estate space. Obviously, Beth is an extremely influential uh, figure and uh, is a pretty massive owner of multiple shopping centers in South Florida. Um, but again, she's also very active in her consulting work as well with uh, helping people uh, fill vacancies throughout the country. So anyway, just a great conversation just with where the market's at right now and uh, what she's doing regarding uh, prospecting and also some new techniques with prospecting as far as the digital world goes. So uh, anyway, got a lot out of this show. I know you will too. Here we go. Beth, welcome back on the CRE Project Podcast. It is an honor to have you back with us. Um, can I say that you're an iconic figure? I think I can. Ah, I think I I can say that at this point. So
1: thanks for having me back. (laughs) I'm excited to be invited back.
0: Yeah, no, it's awesome to have you here. So for the listeners that weren't able to listen to your last show, which there's been a lot that's happened since we've recorded that show back in 2019. Um, just give us a brief background on who you are and your history and All the good stuff that makes up uh, Beth Azor.
1: So I'm in South Florida. I've been doing this a long time, 36 years. I know I don't look
0: like that, right, Clayton? (laughs) look better. Come on now.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I own five shopping centers. I used to own six but I sold one a month ago. They're worth about 80 million dollars. I uh ran a company in South Florida for I was I started in the rookie leasing training program at this company called Terranova. I grew through the firm and became the president and I was the president the last 6 years I was there. We were a third party firm, but I left there because I was working on godly hours. I had, was a single mom with a four-year-old and I was never spending time with him. So I kind of left and I wanted to buy deals on my own account. And I started this side gig of training and consulting and, and that's me. So today uh, my oldest is 22. I adopted a son when my oldest was eight. So Mario was five. So Mario's 19 now. And we, you know, I own real estate and I consult and train leasing agents how to fill vacancies faster around the country, which is how we know.
0: Well, for those of you that again are familiar with Beth, I admire her on many levels because she's not only a top-notch professional and expert in the commercial real estate field, but she's also an awesome mother. Um, And I see that every day on Facebook and Instagram. So hats off to you for all the hats that you where in life and you seem to somehow do them all exceptionally. So definitely an admirable individual. So, so someone that, so what I want to talk about kind of starting out Beth is, is really, there's so much going on right now in the marketplace and someone that's been in the industry for, you know, over three decades. Do you ever remember a time that it's been more complex and more, more volatile than, than really right now? I mean, Talk to us a little bit about it's that. It's so
1: hard. Yeah. Because, you know, it. what's so hard is in the smile mm-hmm. states, things are hot. And, you know, we're a- absolutely a bipolar. It's a bipolar situation because every morning I get up and listen to Squawk mm-hmm. Box, CNBC. And every day they talk about the pending doom and the recession and yada, yada, yada. And then I go to work and I see my delinquencies in my receivables never lower. Everyone's paying rent. I look at my tenant sales every month; they're higher than they were in 2019. I do see developments slowing down because of construction costs and interest rates. So, and but but for a property owner, that's a really good thing because supply is very low, demand is super high because of the tenant sales. So, you know, I've been in this. I I talked to everyone last week. I was in um, Dallas with 300 brokers and and I and owners and agents, and I'm like, "What's going on in your market? What's going on in your market?" And what I'm finding is in the smile states from North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, over to Texas, you know, and a few states thrown in, everyone's pretty healthy. Sales are up again. Retail now office is. You know, except for downtown Miami, office is atrocious, yeah. right? I've I've heard that there's a hundred million square feet of empty office in New York City out of their four hundred wow. million, but that there's another fifty or so million of leases that are about to roll that will add to that vacancy. So, so when I talk about markets, I'm really my expertise, obviously, and is solely in retail. You know, I'm working on a big project in Cleveland and we've signed, we'll sign our 50th lease next week. Now, that's not at market rents. That's at a it was a 17% occupied mall, and it's now, I think, over 50%. And we've gone out in the community and we've signed leases with entrepreneurs, and it's been a huge success, but it's not $40 rents, you know, it's $12 rents. So I do think that there's other parts of the country that will feel this pain that everyone's talking about. But, you know, in your market, or, or, I, I presume, you know, you're kind of in the smile states, too. Are are you seeing this the tenant sales high and the demand high and the supply low like I am?
0: Yep, that's exactly what we're seeing. So it's you know it's interesting to me because I tell people all the time it's in New Mexico specifically we have a, a big inventory problem here we don't have a lot of good quality inventory and yet to your point with interest rates going up you know land being very expensive right now labor being very expensive right now construction material being very expensive right now it almost makes it impossible if I could say that as a word to really develop new centers so we're just going to continue to just see occupancy in my opinion of existing centers go up because you can't make it pe- i mean you know to do it it's interesting in my career thus far i mean you know new construction 10 years ago in new mexico you can do inline shop space and make it work at you know mid to high 20s a square foot and caps you can get low 30s now you would have to be in the mid 40s in line just to to make it pencil so
1: Right. Right. For sure. That development is really dead in South Florida for the next three to five years. So that's
0: I was going to ask you. So is that your kind of opinion on it?
1: Yes. And I and I I've been calling developers because I want to back that up, you know, because I I, I'm telling that to the newspapers. I'm telling that to you, but I'm calling developers and they're saying, you know, I talked to someone today who said we've got two projects we've had under contract for six months. We're supposed to close next spring and summer, and we're absolutely having a meeting next week to decide if we're going to drop those contracts because of interest rates and because of construction and labor costs. So I'm starting, and I'm hearing that, and I'm hearing that if the developers have stuff in the pipeline that you know are already booked, closed, there's a loan on it, leases are signed, That, you know, those developers and the people working for those developers will probably stay employed because they have projects. But you know what happens in hot markets? Leasing agents go Mm -hmm, be developers. mm -hmm. So I I think we're going to see some human capital shifting. I think that some people who went out on their own and thought, I'm going to go be a developer. Like, I look, I... I've developed two properties i i said after the first one i would never do it again and now darn it i'm in the middle of a second one i'm really never yeah. doing it again it's, it's super I, hard
0: you know, and i couldn't agree more i mean i had that exact exact conversation yesterday with an individual i said you know developers uh people always say how much money they make but they deserve every dime because there's so yeah. many dynamics in the level of risk that you take it's 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 just it's very hard i mean brokerage is hard development whole other level of hard I mean just balancing all sorts of different Super things hard. so I, the way I and I'd be curious to take you know to hear your take on this but what I've been telling people is you know I've been listening to these podcasts and a lot of people are sitting there saying well you know I mean the interest rate environment that we're in right now isn't really the w- weird environment what's been weird is the last 10 years being at three percent four percent and I think I would agree with that you know a lot of people you know economists and this and that are saying well it's healthy for the market and I you know again I would I would agree with that to a sense because it's been so hot um really the past two to three years uh really everywhere it seems like but the only thing that I'm taking you know that I'm I love talking to people like you that have been is, is I think the the factors that they're not putting into that formula is the fact that again construction prices and labor is so high right now so again when you have you know high construction costs high material costs high labor costs to get it built high real estate costs and then now debt is expensive to me there's only two factors that can honestly change that formula to promote growth again and that's either real estate values will need to come down to offset the debt or else tenants will need to step up and pay more rent what's your opinion on that
1: so I actually know more than a few stories from friends who are either developers or redevelopers where they've actually gone back to tenants where they've had signed leases six months before, then the plans got done, then they you know bid out the deal, then they bid out the deal again and went back to the tenants with signed leases and wow. said, look, I have a lease. I'm supposed to deliver. I'm not going to deliver you can default me and then you can terminate or you can pay another 75 cents Mm -hmm. a square foot and i have heard in five or six cases that 90 percent of the time the retailer pays the rent because the retailer needs the stores and and the developer is being very transparent i mean retailers know what's going on i mean so so if they want stores and for those public company retailers that need those stock Mm -hmm. prices to go up because they only go up if they open the stores, they told the street they were going to open, they have to Mm -hmm. raise the rents. So I see that, that, that is happening where uh, the developers or the the property owners that are redeveloping, you know, splitting a Walmart box into three. That's that costs 40% more today than it ever did. They can't, hold to the anchor space who agreed to pay 825 like that's not penciling and it's not yeah. going to happen
0: yeah so i mean i'm I'm of the same mindset i think that the retailers are going to pay and ultimately at the end of the day the consumer is going to end up having to come up with that too which again is inflation it's this cycle that we're in
1: well you know you what you mentioned earlier about um we're kind of getting back to normal you know uh i'm 62 so my parents signed a mortgage of 18 yeah. percent so I have no problem signing a mortgage for a property at seven as long as I don't have a prepayment mm-hmm. penalty, because I believe this all shakes out at around four or five right before yeah. the election, six to nine months before the presidential election. So I'm not stopping. But my my problem is, is as a buyer, is the sellers, they're not they're it's not fine. with us. <laughs> you know, they still want five cap deals knowing that my loan's going to be seven and i'm just not going to play that game i don't care how much value add there is so so the that variable is the seller needs if they want to sell they need to start changing the cap rates because i i don't think we ever go back to seeing the crazy 3.75 fixed for five no. years mortgages so anymore.
0: and that's what i've been telling on all, all my network that has calling me and saying hey what's going on as i say you know it's It's interesting right now you know before tuesday obviously we had the elections coming up so everyone was anticipating okay what's going to happen with the elections um and then the other factor is it's you know again there's a lot of different things that are going on but i think a lot of people are saying hey i'm gonna wait this out you know six to eight months and see what and i've talked to a few people that have said hey my expectation is what my expectation i'm anticipating it going up a little more because the fed's been very vocal about that but i'm anticipating it coming down next year so what you're kind of saying what i'm putting together is you're saying hey move forward but make sure that there's no prepayment so you can refi again when the leases are down my what i've been telling to do to your point about cap rates is i've been saying the market's kind of in a stalemate right now like
1: Kind of like, you know,
0: exactly. And true, true. (laughs) But, you know, you have the.
1: I've also other friends of mine that are also in in acquisitions. um, Recently, a lot of people have gone and gotten lines Mm -hmm. of credit.
0: That's that's a good, you know,
1: a million dollar line of credit, because then that way you can move swiftly if an opportunity comes your way. It's, you know, it's definitely tied to prime, but you're not locked in and you can pay it off and you can then refinance Get get a loan on the property when the rates drop. So there's ways. There's seller financing. That's that's happening more often, you know, mm-hmm. than not. One of the deals that I just dropped, they, you know, I said the only way I could do it, well, is if you seller financed, and 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 I don't want to retrade the the deal, but you know, you're going to have to refinance, and or you're going to have to do seller financing, and we have to change the price. They were willing to seller finance, but they weren't willing to yeah. change the price. So so they haven't sold it yet I said well if you if you get a cash buyer you can sell it but if you're going to sell it to someone that needs a loan just wait for me because I'll come you know you know we'll we'll come back around and do this in another yeah. nine months I'm
0: curious um have you because I've I'm not on the East Coast so you and I kind of play in different playgrounds I've heard that you guys have seen a lot of New York money come into the state a ton and for uh yeah for Huge. us in New Mexico it's been California money so I've been telling a lot of people you know from a cap rate perspective it'll be interesting to see the delay there because we still see a lot of liquidity coming out of california that are purchasing these single tenant net lease deals um in cash and there's they're continuing to do that it's starting to you know you can see there's you know there's, there's signs that's slowing down a little bit because even the cash people are sitting there saying hey if i wait then there's an opportunity that I can buy this for a higher cap in the future, potentially. Are you, are you seeing that at all? Still in. We
1: have a, we have huge liquidity, um, but it's smart Mm -hmm. liquidity and people are, we've come to a, a slow, a slow move. Like there aren't a lot of, there's not a lot of deals exchanging hands these days. There's a lot of money though. We have a lot of New Yorkers. We've had some Californians too, but, um, we definitely had a huge explosion of domestic migration, which is what's driving all of our tenant mm-hmm. sales, our mm-hmm. restaurants. I mean, I have a sushi guy that's gonna his first year in my shopping center is gonna do almost five mm-hmm. million dollars. That is crazy! Nuts. Crazy! It is um, twenty eight hundred mm-hmm. square feet. It's it's the the people that are going that are going out and spending money you know, I had this conversation with my trainer yesterday. I, I said, you know, he said, well, the recession's coming. And I'm like, is it? And he goes, what do you mean? Is it? I'm like, well, you know, so you're, how, I said, what percentage of your business is me, people that are paying you to keep me accountable and insurance. And he said, I'm 60% insurance and 40% you. And I said, okay, so this is a luxury item for me right? This is not a necessity. Like I, I've been with you for three years. I can definitely go across the street to the local gym, pay the $10 a month and do what you've been Mm -hmm. teaching me for three years that, you know, so um, this is a luxury item. How many of your, do you foresee of is, is weak or weak as far as renewals with your 40% clients like me? And he goes, none. I go so you can look out six months and know that none of us are going to not come in here and pay you this exorbitant fee because we're going to be worried about spending money he goes no, i don't see it i go that's my answer yeah. on yeah. the recession
0: that's yeah it's a good perspective
1: he goes. but the but the t- but the news are they're, they're telling us it's a self-fulfilling freaking prophecy like stop yeah, talking I, about i've
0: it. always heard this saying and i've always appreciated it. so you know to to avoid don't study what you're being told and the and the noise that you're hearing study the study the pattern that people are you know pursuing you know and right now you just see and and their activity and what what they're active in and I mean to your point people are still active they're still spending money you know
1: I uh, we had a church carnival last week the tickets were 60 dollars yeah. I saw families of yeah. five going up, buying five bracelets. Now, so I said that to my trainer, he goes, well, it's coming, it's coming. It's going to be in six or nine months. I'm like, okay. So it's not just me with the trainer. It's the carnival family, $300 to go ride carnival Mm -hmm. rides. So in lines of people, like we we ran out of food. So I may maybe it's coming, but I don't see it. And I, I, I was gonna say it. so
0: to your to your end, because I want to talk to you about that. I mean, what is what does 2023 look like to you for the commercial real estate industry just globally? Yeah.
1: Globally? I can talk about South Florida. <laughs>
0: okay, in, in South Florida. How about that? <laughs>
1: yeah. I think that because development is have has grinded mm-hmm. to a halt, I think that rents will go up. I think there will be some super creative deals that are going to be happening. Any vacancy we have and and I've seen this actually around the country. Most of the vacancy are in first floor vertical developments that the the developer was it, you know that retail was the tail that mm-hmm. wagged the dog and they didn't put they have no parking, they have no grease traps, no ventilation, like they didn't yeah. care there will be some creativity with regards to that first floor. Re- that finally, some of those, like the developer that has eight buildings and has eight, 10,000 first floor, floor plates that are not leased, will finally meet with a consultant, a retail expert and go, how do I fix this? And, and the retail broker will want to help that person because there's such a high demand for space. So I see that happening a lot. I I think that the demise of the mall the malls that need to be demised or, you know, demolished, that's going to be coming, you know, fast and furious because I think that apartments, what I'm finding that's going to be interesting to watch is they keep talking about how the office buildings will be converted to multifamily. I think that's, that's harder said than done. I'm sure that in some markets it's easier, but, but in South Florida it will be much easier for a mall, an apartment developer to buy a mall, or buy pieces of the mall, the anchors, mm-hmm. right? The Dillard space and the Sears space, and do multifamily. So I see that happening a lot. And you know, people, I, I've read that we're supposedly like five million housing units yeah. short based on our population. So we can't even, we'll never catch up to that, you know, because most developers would, if we need one, we yeah. build five. So I think that we'll see a lot of multifamily development. I think we'll see a lot of hospitals and ALSs be part of that whole mall thing. So we're going to see multifamily hospitals, you know, these baby boomers who want these more luxurious, luxury residential facilities to go stay in, they can afford it. So I think that we're going to see that, you know, that there's a thousand malls in the country and supposedly 300 are going to close in the next five years. So we'll see a lot of development with that and I think that once once the malls get out of the way the mall owners there's some real estate that will be freed up on the perimeters of that those mm-hmm. parking lots when when they are multifamily and hospitals out parcel opportunities will pop up on the malls. So because the malls didn't want out parcels because they wanted everyone to come inside and eat yeah. the food court and walk Mm -hmm. the malls. So, so I think that's where the future of retail growth. And, and I think you'll see retailers, if developers aren't going to build, there's some strong retail tenants that have strong balance sheets that will go do a land lease and build Mm -hmm. their own buildings. Right. And then do a, and then do a sale lease back and get the money back. When someone wants to buy that Chick Fil A for a yeah, four yeah. cap or whatever,
0: so I'm curious, do you have an example? Because I know you travel extensively just through your consulting business. Is there a, is there a good example out there of someone that's that's redeveloped the mall and and you know had fulfilled that vision that you just painted? Right.
1: So right now in South Florida, we've got two people that are trying to do it. One is one is going to has is in the city council for permits or for approvals on taking a Dillard's and doing a multifamily. So can you check back with me in six months and I'll have (laughs) an example? And then we have another mall, the same thing that they're they're definitely going to be doing that. We did a there's another mall in South Florida that did a it was a Macy's Lord and Taylor that's been knocked down and it's two high rise multifamily and some ground some upfront town square looking retail so that that would be an example but that wasn't really a traditional mall it was a two story mall with the macy's and a lord, lord and taylor not as big as a traditional sears pennys Burdine's, dillards mm-hmm. you know whatever um so it was already a two story and, and there was a hotel component already attached to it so i think it was an easier but they did they knocked down the whole mall and they yeah. just went up
0: so you really see that you think is kind of the next trend in the next year yeah mall, ma- ma- mall redevelopment. Redevelopment. Yeah, it's been and the reason i asked that question is i just i haven't seen a good example of someone really figure that out yet and i know there's a lot of smart people out there that have been in retail development a long long time so someone's gonna someone's gonna figure it out i mean we got in in new mexico we're no different i mean we got some enclosed malls that are struggling right now that you could just see the train coming down the track and they sit on exceptional real estate right. and then you have the whole you know co-tenancy factor and everything else that goes into to tenanting right. those up so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of Yeah, it's it complicated
1: is. it's complicated because all those anchors own yeah. their own buildings mm-hmm. and land the people that's the general public doesn't understand that they think that general growth or simon owns yeah. the mall well they own the the common areas right and they own where the local tenants are but they don't own the five anchor yeah. pieces so they have to get control of that but the older the mall is the more opportunity that that, that comes up because those those rights go end up going back to the mm-hmm. mall owner and that sunset's yeah. coming and that's what's also going to cause this redevelopment.
0: Yeah, spurt. it'll be interesting to watch. Another thing that I know you're absolutely passionate about, another mission I know that you're passionate about is obviously getting more uh, women involved in investing in commercial real estate.
1: Guess what percent of all of the commercial real estate investors, what percent play as women?
0: Um, I mean, 100 percent, A guess. I would probably say 5 percent to 10 three yeah three yeah
1: my goal is to get that well it's
0: an exceptional goal and I applaud you for that there's a tremendous amount of smart women out there that need to need to be active so to have a, a guiding light that's admirable for you to do that what would you I'm curious um if you were talking to a group of women right now or anybody for that matter I mean where do you see the most opportunity from an investment standpoint coming up here I mean is it you know just based on the conversation that we've had today is that you know f- finding an underutilized existing shopping center and retenanting it which has always been a fact is that where the most opportunity is going to be since there's not going to be necessarily ground up with all the dynamics going on what what's your thought
1: and, and the and the problem with yeah, I mean I would love to find those. I will tell you that my last investments have just been in multifamily with a with a friend who's buying 30 units or less and I can give her money as an LP. I don't I I've always said I don't want to buy anything with a bed in it cuz I don't want to evict someone yeah. out of their bed. I can I have no problem doing that with <laughs> a business, but She's the GP and she's she owns 50 units and I said you need to get to 100 units, 200 units. So I've been, you know, pushing her to go bigger. So she's the GP, she runs the deal, she deals with the tenants and I just am a, a limited partner and I'm making a good return and I and it's working class neighborhoods in Miami which we won't risk running out of them. We need housing for our tourist support, you know sup- workers that support that industry. So that's what the last three investments I've done have been in that because I can't find yeah. retail. I want retail. I did have a property under contract in Cleveland, but I had to drop it. I did. But my last investment was a two story office building. This was in 2019. We bought it. We knocked it down. We we had tenants in there. We convinced Starbucks and the city to let me build behind the office building in the parking lot which we did and then we not, so we built the three-story tenant strip center with Starbucks mm-hmm. and two local tenants the NOI of that deal is 350 uh, and then we have the corner piece that i'm now uh, have a land lease with Wawa. And that is, that NOI is going to be significant. So we bought the office building for 5.8 million and the whole project will probably be around 14 to 15 million. No kidding. So, but that that would be the last development I ever do. Last (laughs) development I ever
0: do. (laughs) I I promise.
1: I'd rather buy existing, fix it up, lease it up. It's funny
0: that you say that because, and it's interesting because our markets are so different in so many ways, but they're so similar in so many ways. And I was again having this conversation with somebody else the other day just talking about the market i said if you look globally well globally in albuquerque at least i mean there's thousands of shopping centers here i mean little mom and pop you know we all know those those mean i mean there is literally two on the market right now maybe and that's it i mean there is no one selling anything right now from from a retail standpoint i mean even quality dirt i mean it's 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 very and the difference is I would I go to different markets like you know Dallas and tech, you know and they have a sprawling growth right in New Mexico we just don't have that growth rate so you can't really buy that speculative land either way out on the Mesa that you know the growth heading in that direction because who knows how long honestly it'll take till it gets there um so yeah it's interesting that you say that because I tell people, I was like, you know, I think there's really good opportunity in these redevelops, but the problem is there's no one, there's no one selling right now. I mean, everyone's just just kind of hanging on to them. So so that's interesting. So multifamily, that kind of took me for a little bit of a loop there.
1: And there, you know, 30 units or less. And then I've also invested with a top-notch industrial broker in Miami that bought an industrial deal in Tampa. I gave him money as an LP. I have a friend who buys hotels, I've given her money as an LP. So I, you know, I want to, I'd love to just buy those little strip centers and renovate, but they're not available. So I don't want my money sitting in the bank earning nothing. So if you find, you know, people that you trust and if the deal makes sense, and, and that's what, you know, I try to teach women, you know, we've had our two, we had a virtual conference two years ago and then an in-person conference last year. And we're going to have our third one this year on March 8th. And which is International Business Women's Day, but um, Women's Business Day. But what I what I find with women is they they don't see other women Mm -hmm. doing it. So what my goal is to put women on the stage that have invested, whether last year we had someone that invested in self-storage, someone that invested in hotels, retail, fix and flip townhouses, land, uh, multifamily. So if because if you can see it, you can be it. Right. And if I get women up there that, you know, are doing it, then women will go. And and because there's women in our business, also leasing agents, but just women and people in our business that put all their money in the mm. stock market. And I just
0: I I don't get it wait, either. We,
1: I just we I don't get doing it. this. This is our livelihood. I,
0: I tell people all the time, too. I mean, again, just us talking here. But I tell people all the time, It's like, how can you expect to counsel people on buying and trading commercial real estate when you don't understand the weight behind it? I mean, I just I, it blows my mind because I see it too. I see these brokers out there that are slinging deals left and right and doing deal after deal, but yet they don't own any commercial real estate. I'm like, it just blows my mind because I don't know, just of that simple factor. I feel like it's a, a validation to a certain extent that, you know, you need to understand what a, a, a buyer is going through and assessing and truly feel that in order to accurately counsel somebody. But that. Anyway, that's my personal opinion on that. Yeah, I agree. I I think it it adds a certain level of, I don't know, just professionalism and again validation to you as a as a as a broker if you can kind of claim that.
1: And you can be empathetic, exactly, right? Your empathy because you've been you've been down the road. You understand. So let me
0: ask you this: How much money do you need to to start investing in commercial real estate?
1: So I have done deals in the past where I've brought, I've offered to accredited investors, meaning they have a certain net worth or they make a certain amount of money, uh, 10 grand in my deals. But the typical yeah. is 25. I, That's what I find yeah, across I the to board. I just
0: mention that because, you know, like you, I see people all the time that are saying, well, I'd love to, but, you know, I just don't, and I was like, you know, because it doesn't, you don't have to have a ton of money. What you really need to have is people like you that you can go out there and, you know, have a a quality relationship and someone that you trust that can start building that fund. But the,
1: the, well, the other thing is, look, you know, money is not the problem. The problem is finding the deals. So for this audience, go find the deal and I'll let you put your commission in it or half of your commission in it. So I'm not, it's not that I'm going to buy deals. I like to buy deals in South Florida, but there, Aaron Uh Zucker, do you Mm -hmm. know who Aaron Zucker is? So Aaron, I think has bought 34 deals in the last two years. um, And he also is having a hard time, super hard time finding deals. But he went on this, you know, on this communication uh, mission. And he told, he said, any broker that brings me a deal, you know, we'll figure out a way to get you in the deal. And, and that has contributed to him getting the 34 yeah. deals he now owns. And he's 32 yeah. years yeah. old. So find the deal. Th- these people, the, the audience who is out there working on all different asset classes, but especially retail, find the deal and then bring it to someone like me or Aaron or you. And, well, the money's not the problem. You can
0: always always find the money if you have the right deal that is absolutely true and i just don't like to see people regulate themselves because they don't feel like they have enough money i mean the important factor and what i tell people all the time that i interact with as i said you know the most important factor is just getting started i mean just get involved just start because so many people just sit on the sidelines for years and years and years and they're scared of you know Coulda yep, yep. shoulda
1: coulda right. There's a quote. There's a quote that I use with prospecting, but it can work with investing too. Is you don't need to be an expert to start, but you have to start to yep. eventually Amen be an expert.
0: that. So, um, so actually, that's a good segue into what I want to talk to you about next. I want to. Yeah. My favorite topic. Yes, My favorite yes, topic of all are, time. <laughs> what you are known for, which is prospecting. So, you know, I, I would say, you know, and again. i based on our conversation here, a lot of those people that maybe feel like it could be a down market or if there's not a lot of people expanding because of all these dynamics that are going on with, you know, whether it's political or it's too expensive or I can't find people if I open up another location right now. I mean, what's the most effective way for uh, leasing brokers to prospect right now, in your opinion?
1: So I, I literally, uh, someone just called me the other day and he's in investment sales and he's and he's three years in. So he's not really entrenched in it yet. Right. And he goes, what am I going to do? And I said, if I was three years in on anything, I would be, I would transition to office or I would transition to whatever was hurting now, find the problem. If if that meant that I lived in Connecticut and I could go to New York City with that 100 million square feet of empty offices, I would be the best freaking <laughs> office canvasser in yep. New York City. I and you know some of these markets like I know when I met you in Albuquerque, you know, there are firms and people that do everything. They do office, industrial, retail. There are firms that you're not you're not just focused mm-hmm. on a certain asset class. There are because the markets aren't big enough. I would be, where is my need? It's not industrial and it's not retail, I don't think. I think it's office across the country, except for Miami, Florida. And I would be canvassing, walking into buildings, going to the top floor, getting kicked out on the 7th by security. But some of these buildings, if they're empty, I bet they've let go yeah. of their security. I, and if if they if there is security and you can't get past the security, I'd be you know, taking a picture of the directory, I would be creating a market study of what is available in the market as far as a five, you know, there are 14, 5,000 square foot spaces available. Here are the rental rates. I'd become the expert on all of the inventory in a submarket, whether that's, you know, North Albuquerque, South Albuquerque, all of Albuquerque, Midtown Manhattan, you know, the Upper East Side Manhattan, I would become an expert of this is because there are people, there are office users in ten thousand square feet that want to go to five,
0: mm-hmm. all over yeah.
1: the world, and there are five thousands that want to go to fifteen hundred. There are people that feel that definitely we're not all going to five days a week, yeah, virtual. That's yeah. impossible. So I would be. I think it's a phenomenal market to be an office landlord office leasing agent, or even a tenant rep going and saying, Hey, you know, are you happy with your size? They're all going to say, no. Are you happy with your building or your size? The The people in the C buildings can easily go up yeah. to the B buildings. There's just so much, there could be so much fun and excitement with prospecting an office. Like I'm, I wish I wasn't 62. Cause I'm telling you, I, I think there's going to be, I think it yeah. could be so much yeah. fun.
0: That's an interesting answer.
1: So, so So look, if you're in retail 30 years, you're not, you know, you're not (laughs) going to do that. I'm talking to the young people on the, you know, if, if you're in investment sales, 20 years, retail, 20 years, the next, you know, in 2007, in eight, Milton Cooper from Kimco got in front of us at the ICSC and said, if I were, if I were all of you, I'd go fishing for the next year. So I don't think we should all go fishing, but I think that those of us that like, for me, I'm, going to really step up on understanding everyone that owns retail strip centers within 10 miles of here. I'm going to know every own, I'm going to take the time to do my market research so that when, and, and start the relationship so that when those baby boomers you know, might, are tired of managing their strip centers and they want to sell, they've met me or heard from yeah. me three or four times. So I'm going to double down on what I want to do. And if you're in investment sales, the same thing, you should know who every person that owns every product type in your market and so that when it comes back around, you have the most market information and you yeah. don't go fishing. Yeah.
0: Make the best use of available time. So,
1: but But for those people that are five years or less, office leasing either tenant rep or landlord
0: i would be curious just because a lot of people and and again just because you're a known expert for this i would really like you to to break down if if for a lot of the retail brokers that are out there say three to six years or maybe even younger than that um you know i see a lot of people even seasoned people in the business don't necessarily have a strategy behind prospecting when they get a landlord assignment, I would really like you to dumb it down to the nth degree as, okay, you just got an assignment, say it's a 10,000 square foot shopping center. It has, you know, a chiropractor and a nail salon in it. Okay. And then you have the rest is vacancy. What plan do you put together? How do you start? Walk us through that.
1: So, so the first thing you want to do is find out, the first thing you want to do is What are Mm -hmm. the exclusives? First thing. Um, The second thing you want to do is you want to make sure you have a very thorough market study, not from CoStar or LoopNet, but calls you've made to your neighborhood leasing agents around the area so you know really what's going on in the market. The rent's $20. I just did three deals at 20. I gave three months of half rent and no TI. You want to really, really know what's going on in the market. So once you have that, And then, then if you have a nail salon and a chiropractor, the chiropractor doesn't give sales, but the nail salon does. And the nail salon's doing a million dollars or a hundred thousand. If the nail salon's doing a hundred thousand, yeah, you might be looking for another nail salon. If it's doing a million now, and I have four, 1200 square foot bays, I'm like, nail salon's doing well, Mm -hmm. co-tenancy, lashes, brows, barbershop hair salon. So I want to feed on what's working. So I want to identify my top five uses I'm going after. And I identify the top five uses based on who's doing well in my center or who's not doing well. Because if they're not doing well, then maybe I don't go after those personal beauty services. When I do my market study and I talk to my neighborhood leasing agents, what's the best, who's performing the best in your shopping center? Oh, well, my sub guy's doing 2.8 million. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go get a sub guy. So whoever else is doing great in the market, who's not doing well? Oh, the art and frame guy's doing well. Okay, well I'm not going to t- go go after art and frame people, right? If they're about to close. So, so that so I identify my top. I say I identify what are the five uses I want to go after based on who's successful or not in my center, who's successful or not in the market, the rental rates. So if the rental rates are eighty and i'm in an inner city neighborhood for for some reason and they're only 80 because there's nothing around for 10 miles i'm not going to go after a check cashing person mm-hmm. who can't pay 80 so there's certain uses that you know can pay rents like or if let's say you're you, you want you're around a bunch of schools and you want to bring in a bike store but your owner wants 40 bucks bike stores mm-hmm. can't pay 40 bucks so you start to learn which tenants and which uses can pay what. But identify the top five, make sure you know the market. Then you start making, you know, you start talking to your neighborhood leasing agents and say, hey, I have a chiropractor exclusive and I have a nail salon exclusive. If I get any calls for that, I'm gonna Mm -hmm. give you a call. And I'd appreciate if Mm -hmm. you do the same. So now you have you have like an extension of your leasing team in your market where people are getting calls for the deal across the street she can't, hey, call my friend Beth and don't ask for a yeah, referral fee. I know. IOUs, IOUs are way I more valuable.
0: Agree. I completely agree.
1: But, and, and then, and then you now, you, so for me, I've been, uh, canvassing this deal or working on this deal in Cleveland. So I'm only there four days a month. So I identify, you know, I have a, I want to do a barbershop, a uniform store, streetwear, clothing, um, I wanted a lash person. I wanted, uh, I had a whole food court to fill. So while I'm at in South Florida for three and a half weeks, I'm DMing on Instagram and Facebook. You know, I look up barbers in Cleveland, 50 of them. There's probably 300, but I take the first 50 and I DMing them on, you know, on the, the direct message component of Facebook and Instagram so that by the time I get to Cleveland, I have seventeen showings because I'm D, and then I do a one whole day of showings based on the DMs, and then I go out in the marketplace and canvas. I canvas the mm-hmm. people I've DM'd. Mm-hmm. So when I walk in, they go, "Oh, you're the girl mm-hmm. that DM'd me." Yes, I yep. am.
0: Shoe in the door for sure. In your opinion, what is the what's the most effective way? Again, been in business for over you know thirty years. I mean, what's the most effective way to day to prospect in your opinion?
1: So. The DMing on Instagram and Facebook has the most craziest high level high response rate I've ever seen mm-hmm. in 36 years. You know, the fact that I can DM 20 barbers and five will respond to me, three will say no, thank you, and two will say, Where's yep. the property? Two out of twenty. I mean, it's unheard of. Um, but I still think canvassing is crucial because when you go in the store, you see things. You didn't. You couldn't get on the phone, and you yeah. can't do in the DM. You see that they're ex- that you see that they're filled to the brim with merchandise. This person mm-hmm. has to expand, right? Or they have no merchandise. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't want them, right? Or you see that they've got stained ceiling tiles. That means that you know they they have roof leaks all the time. Or you see, you know, some to go restaurant that has four mm-hmm. handicap spots in front of their space. You know, there's so much you can see when you actually yeah. go canvassing. And, you know, I just I love canvassing. We've we've we'll sign our 50th lease next week in Cleveland. We've been working on it for 18 months. I have personally canvassed over twenty wow. three hundred people. So 50 50 leases signed. When I got hired, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers owns the mall. Seventeen percent occupied. If you can just get five deals by All Star Weekend, I'll love you.
0: Wow. 50 we've signed. That is exceptional. Congratulations.
1: But and and. When I got to Cleveland, because people used to say all the time, well, you've been in South Florida forever. You know, everyone, it's easy for you. I knew not one person in Cleveland. We only can sign one and two year deals because this is a future redevelopment. So mm-hmm. there's no brokers mm-hmm. bringing me deals. This is all from DMing and canvassing, 50 yep. leases at 62, where I'm, you know, it's 30 degrees It's yeah. cold <laughs> up there in Cleveland. So, but, um, but canvassing works it works you cannot you cannot yeah. argue about 50 deals in a market so, i knew no so, one.
0: in be, a mall yeah, i'm bringing them to a wall interesting um so to, uh, let's expand on that a little bit so talk to us about your strategy behind your dming you get straight to the point right
1: oh yeah you, yep. it's one sentence so for florida i'll say um you know, I'll set like, I want right now, I want an IV therapy place. Cause you know, there's, this is hot down here. So I'll, so I'll find an IV, I'll, I'll DM IV therapy in Broward County where I live and five will pop down. So I'll go, okay, IV therapy four. So I'll go to Instagram, look up IV therapy. I get their Instagram page. And then there's, you know, there's a message, a direct message thing, like a text. And I go there and I just say any interest in a Davy location. Boom. That's it. It goes right ninety five percent of your DMs go right mm-hmm. to the owner of the business because they don't want the gatekeepers monitoring the social media. So that's why it works so well because you're getting to the decision maker right away. so uh, in in um Cleveland, I, I'm you know, I, I want a barber shop, so I'll just say, want to open a barbershop in tower city. I used to say downtown Cleveland and then people that I started meeting, they're like, we know tower is in downtown. So I stopped saying <laughs> downtown Cleveland. And then I was just, just, tower city. They know tower city. So uh, want, I'd love to have you open a location in tower city. I don't, I, they don't care what my name is. They don't care who I work for. They don't care. They don't do not put a link. Cause then you're going to get spam. They, they're going to think it's spam. So yeah. one sentence, now, sometimes I, my mall is anchored by a Ritz and it has it connects to the tunnel where the Cavs play. So when I'm going after a sneaker store, I'll say, interested in a location in Tower City where the tunnel goes to the Cavs arena. Yeah. Okay. If I'm talking to a lash, a woman, a makeup lady or lashes or nails, I'll say, would you be interested in, you know, any interest in a Tower City, a space in Tower City mm-hmm. next to the Ritz? Like use what you've got to yeah. get their attention. Such a
0: good tip because I see so many brokers all the, because I, I, you know, I, I do a lot of tenant rep as well. So I get submitted sites and I just, it's like this massive novel and I'm like, guys, you know,
1: you're, they're telling you're the pet supply guy and they're telling you about, you know, yeah. whole foods and a tutoring exactly. and a school. Yeah. And you're like, what, what does that have to, you know, think about yeah. who yeah. your customers. Well, is.
0: Better yet, save yourself some time. <laughs> you know what I mean. So
1: And put the address. I was at the retail live in Nashville and they did a retail one runway where 50 retailers got up and said like two minutes and got off the stage. Out of the 50 retailers, 10 of them, because Aaron Zucker was the moderator and he says, how would you like us to send you packages? 10 of them said, please put the address in the city. Wow. I said, I went to LinkedIn. I said, Okay, LinkedIn. I just heard this from 10 retailers. It's still happening.
0: Um you know this is interesting because i saw this the other day and this is i'm kind of throwing you a little for a loop here so forgive me but i i thought it was interesting when you said linkedin i saw you post something the other day regarding rent increases and i'm curious
1: <laughs> I, I got 78 i think I, I mean it i think it was the most active post i've ever gotten yeah, in my entire and, life
0: um, because it's an int-
1: and all the Ted around well it was funny
0: because you got yeah you got some spicy responses there which I thought was kind of uh, kind of funny but I'm curious you know obviously doing these deals recently talk about that there's obviously a reason that you asked that question how are you seeing increases kind of being negotiated right now
1: well the reason I did the post I'm trying to pull it up to see how many people commented um I keep seeing 3% annual increases. I haven't done 3% annual increases in years. I've been doing 5 and 6% annual increases. Now I understand I'm in Florida. I'm in South Florida. I do not do this in Cleveland. We have a very strong market, a very tight market. And but I know that there are people in South Florida that just, you know, think think it's like God's, you know, it's a like God's gift to every tenant in the world for the next 45 years that we should do 3% annual increases and no one, they're not stopping and saying the guy's doing 2 million in sales and his occupancy cost is 1.3. Oh, but let's just do a 3% annual increase. Now, if, if you're getting a hundred dollars in rent, of course, go ahead and do a 3% annual increase. But that, that, what I, the why I wanted to put it out there is no one is thinking about it. No one's thinking it, as of yesterday before yesterday uh cpi mm-hmm. was 8.4 and so you should maybe do 4% annual or or tie it to cpi or so i wanted to throw it out there as a discussion point i'm hoping for god's sake <laughs> not one freaking landlord <laughs> Let, help me out not one one I think one guy said bravo Beth but like where the hell were all you guys all you landlord friends of mine that I know support this theory it was just it was a beat it, on Beth by yeah. F broker day and tenants, I did did you notice I yeah. had mm-hmm. no that's why I asked the
0: question because <laughs>
1: you're
0: egregious yeah. you're being egregious you know three percent you see all the time and I was I was taken back reading that post because you you were like getting shunned for just mentioning that saying that you're setting your tenant up for failure <laughs> Which, and this and that and I was like wow yeah. I I just that totally took anyway I, I know that took you on a little but
1: but I'm happy but but they don't like not one property yeah. owner commented so I you know when you I think I and one of them was kind of really harsh on me and I said well you know the property owner who signs yeah. on the loan I mean, you know, do you do you think I want tenants to move out? Of course not. And I and I also said, you know, I've got a ninety seven percent retainage. I mean, I'm not stupid, right? I am not going to kick out a tenant. I did another follow up one today about a renewal, which I think we'll is to get watch a that lot one. <laughs> but you know, look, I just want to spur conversation. It's a great
0: conversation to have because a lot of people are thinking it. And I mean, our our perspective, what I've talked to a lot of landlords about is, look, we're signing deals right now that are 5 10 15 20 years right and we're committing to that retailers right. if prices go up they can just go on their system and just increase pricing we can't do that it's set for years well, and years and course. years you know
1: and look and and someone said well what are you going to do if you know the recession hits and the sales are I'll do what I did yeah. in COVID when we, were, when we were partners and I had to help you out I mean yeah. it's you know I said, it's finally the landlord's time, and it's time that we, you know, for for the next year or so, however long it lasts, that we take advantage of it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, I think it's an interesting subject. For those of you that are interested, go to Beth LinkedIn because it was an active conversation. And it is, like I said, it's relevant to right now because so many people are trying to navigate these negotiations and increases. And obviously, again, it's extremely high right now from an inflation standpoint. So.
1: Yeah, I just lost a deal. I, I will not do a national deal at anything less than fifteen percent for every five years. And I just lost a, d- a deal where the guy was holding yeah. firm to ten. I said there is no way in hell I'm doing a 10 percent every five years yeah. fixed deal. No way, like not happening. Yeah. You can walk from the deal. And guess what? I got someone else right behind him <laughs> at five percent fixed yeah. annually. So I, you know, but but look. I, I could give a year free rent in three years if I have a bunch of vacancy. Yep. I, you know, I'm a property owner. I'm I'm going to do what I need to do. But right now, yeah, yeah, I'm time. with
0: you. So well, sorry to take you for a loop there. But you said LinkedIn, and I was thinking today. I was like, I got. No,
1: I love. I'm I was glad like, you I brought gotta it ask up
0: her about that. So, you know, we're coming up kind of on our time. I would really like you to to kind of. I have one more question on prospecting, and then we'll kind of close up. But, you know talk to and give give people and you know you can be as harsh as you want but you know I just see a lot of brokers just not wanting to prospect and just not prospecting and you know I'll just say it a lot of people are just scared to pick up the phone they're scared to walk in those storefronts what do you say to those people
1: if you don't want to make a lot of money don't
0: I, I tell them, you know, you better pick a different I, career because I mean, that's why people hire us literally. For sure. Yeah.
1: For sure. I mean, I've signed 50 leases in Cleveland, yeah. freaking Ohio. Yeah. And, and not yeah. one broker deal. Not, there, they, there isn't a phone for people yeah. to call for space. <laughs> it's all been, and I'm 62 years old. Yeah. It works. It works. 50 deals. So I would challenge everyone that's listening if you're doing 50 deals and you're not prospecting or canvassing ignore me if you if you're doing 10 deals and you're relying on the sign call then you're leaving a lot of money on the table and it's so you know look you you know you walk into the store don't ask for the owner just walk in and go i have a shopping center Mm -hmm. do you want space that's it i'm in and out in five minutes less i'm in and out in a minute Hey, don't don't be a sales – people get – the reason they don't like to cold call, first of all, either they're lazy or That's they're it. afraid of rejection. Lazy I, lazy, I can't resolve because if you're lazy, you're going to – I'm not going to convince you to, to work hard. But afraid of rejection, people – People get angry or get pissed off when you play a game. You walk in this. St- this is a nice store. Like you play a game. Walk in. They're busy people. Don't, you know, you're interrupting them. Interrupt them for 10 seconds. Don't ask for the owner. Pretend the 12-year-old is the owner that's behind the thing. Have a flyer. Always have a flyer. They'll throw the business cards away. Have a flyer. Hey, I have a shopping center. I have 10 shopping centers in Albuquerque. What are your expansion mm-hmm. plans? Boom. And you will get and the guy will go and the gatekeeper will go, oh, I think my boss might want to know about that. Or the guy will say, Oh, where yep. are the properties? Or no, I'm good, you know. It's yep. fast. Third I do 30 business cards in three hours, whichever comes first. Not when I'm in Cleveland. When I'm in Cleveland, we canvas for 10 hours.
0: Yep.
1: Whoever wants to canvas with me, <laughs> call me and you know, bring me to your market and not right. Did you yep. canvas with mm-hmm. me when we were in Albuquerque? Yep. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. fun, wasn't yeah. it?
0: It's it really and I and I say that sincerely. I mean, you know, I always tell people prospecting and this kind of leads into my 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 next question I'd like you to cover is, you know, the the hardest part it's like working out. It's just getting started. And I would be curious from sure. your perspective, a lot of people you know, struggle with being disciplined behind it. What strategy have you used personally to be strategic and disciplined is it time blocking or what do you do to stay committed yes okay time
1: blocking every when i was at terranova everyone we had Terra Nova tuesday everyone went canvassing on tuesdays no meetings i told my clients don't call my people they're going to be out canvassing me right now except for cleveland i try to canvas once a week and and I'm usually in Cleveland one week a month. So that's I'm canvassing three times a week. It's three hours or 30 business cards. And I do it and I try to do it on Tuesday because if I don't and I end up like Friday, oh my gosh, then I can't then you know I I, I get freaked out if I haven't done it by Friday. And a lot of the properties I've bought, I have found
0: yeah from that's, canvassing. That's great.
1: A, a tenant told me something that yep. then, yeah. So for those that wanna be investors,
0: yeah. Well, and I think the most important part is what you just said: is have a, a a defined goal. So these thirty card that mentally is like I cannot quit until I hit that point. So whether it's you know out canvassing or your cold calling, if you have a defined list, like make yourself a goal and hit that, and that way you can accomplish that and feel accomplished.
1: And have a map like and have a map like I have on the back. Yep. That's Cleveland, and I have all of the places yep. I've ever. I canvassed. that
0: idea. No, it's a great idea.
1: And I know, I know where yep. I haven't gone and I go, I need, I've got to go over yeah, here. My What's team over makes here? fun of
0: me because I'm so visual. I have like maps everywhere. I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I don't know how, you know, you've been in the business with their I don't know how you guys did business before Google maps. Cause I'm just like, I don't know we use it. <laughs> dots, dots on maps. It's crazy. So, um, it's crazy. so to wrap up again, you've been gracious with your time and I greatly appreciate it, um, leave us with a single. You know your single best piece of advice that you've received from you know one of your mentors or you just heard someone say it one time that's really kind of you know crafted your success and you know how you kind of live
1: my dad told me when i was a little girl god gave you two ears and one mouth yep. which means you're supposed to listen twice as much as you speak and in sales you know for decades People were taught that you had to persuade, you mm-hmm. had to convince. And it's really not the case. You just have to listen and see if what your product that you have is a match. And it might not be a match. And that's okay. Don't I'm not going to convince anyone to come into any property that I don't think is a match. But you have to ask enough questions to yeah. see if it's a match and listen and listen. And people, you know, that people call me, do you have a script? No, I don't have a script because I don't know what the other yeah. person's going to say. I know how I'm going to get started. And I know, you know, like if I'm, if they are a hair salon, I might talk about the Ritz instead of the tunnel, but you know, you just have to, it's, it's the number one skill that we need as salespeople is good listening skills and, and they,
0: it's lacking. I completely agree with you. you. There's so many movies out there where there's a picture painted and it just couldn't be more, you know, false, honestly, when it comes to being a, a broker. So, uh, I think that's a great piece of advice is just listen more and try to stop convincing people that, you know, this is the right move for them. So, yeah, no, that's an excellent piece of advice. So, well, thanks so much for, for joining, you know, the show today. And again, I always, I always just find your knowledge to be just so in depth and valuable for really anybody out there, whether you're an experienced investor and been in the business for decades, or if you're a newer broker that's just starting. So, thank you so much for, you know, continuing your mission to help educate young people in the business. Obviously this initiative that you have with getting more women involved in, in investing in commercial real estate. And I will say it again, I think you are an iconic character in, in the retail real estate world, everybody knows you when you go to ICSC, you just look for the red and you will find Beth. So for those of you that haven't, you know, crossed paths with Beth, uh, she is a, an excellent coach. And I mean, the, the amount of, online material and free material with Beth is unbelievable. So, you know, obviously we'll put notes or, you know, we'll put your contact information and these links in the show notes so people can connect with you. Um, But just thanks for being a shining light in our industry. And thanks for taking the time.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Clay. Thank you for inviting me to
0: come back. Absolutely. Hey, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you feel someone within your network would benefit and learn from this podcast, please feel free to share this or any other episode with them. If you feel you have benefited from this podcast, please leave us a review on any platform where you listen to podcasts. We greatly appreciate your support and feedback, and we look forward to connecting with you on the next show. Until then, stay healthy, stay safe, stay educated.